Hi, I'm Harry. I'm Luke. And welcome to Who Can Convince You? The podcast where we discuss two Doctor Who stories to see which one can convince you. And a few other bits thrown in there too. Welcome to episode one of Who Can Convince You. I'm Harry. I'm Luke. How are you? I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing okay, you know. You're doing I'm okay. doing fine. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. I'm very well. So what are we doing today? Today, I'm glad you asked, we've got a lot lined up. Oh. We've got some exciting things what? in store. Oh, I'm intrigued now. Well, that's what I'm I know it. full well what we're doing. But it's more oh, exciting I'm just that guiding way. Isn't it? The audience into this podcast. it is more exciting the other way. So we're gonna start off with our main mm. delve, deep delve. The main chunk. The main chunk of the episode. Mm. The Who Can Convince You segment where we're gonna compare and contrast two stories, one from the classic era, one from the new era. Two stories we're doing today are The Brain of Morbius and... And The God Complex. And The God Complex. So uh, we're going to start off with The God Complex. We are. Would you like to give us a brief synopsis? I would. So this is from Series 6 with uh, Matt Smith. Oh. And here's a little brief, brief synopsis. Thank you. The 11th Doctor, Amy and Rory investigate Hotel of Horror, where repeat business is low, but the body count is high. (laughs) Where a mighty monster stalks the corridors, and the rooms hold visions of angles, apes, (laughs) and creepy clowns. Who or what has brought them to this place? Can a doctor solve the mystery before the residents check out in grisly style? What an exciting story. I feel like they should have said in a gr- grisly style, but there we are. Oh, well, we do, you didn't write that, did you? I didn't write that. No. Uh, that's from... Uh, that's from... Is it Tardis uh, Wiki? Wiki fandom. Yeah. It's Tardis Wiki, yeah. Yeah. And did you say angles or angels? Just wanted to double check what the main... Uh, it's angels. Angels. I said angels first, and <laughs> I, then I thought, wait, it'd be funny if I said angles. Yeah. And then I said angles as I was thinking angles, so I just went with it. Brilliant. All right then. All right then. So, are we? <laughs> All right then. <laughs> are we going to kick off with the god complex? Well, yeah. All right. Well, we better add, haven't we? Now that we said we're going to do that, just give me your general, your first impressions of the story. So you've just watched it. What did you think? Um, I, I thought it was all over the place. 
I didn't really know. I didn't think it captured anything that it set out to do. I feel like someone said, oh, it would be good if we had um, had a deep exploration to these characters. Really delved into the fears of each character. I'm just going to make a and... note there of something I'm going to bring up in a bit. Okay. And um, I think as soon as it, uh, David Williams signed up, that went out the window. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think it was his fault. I don't think it was his fault. Um, I thought what a missed opportunity. And it's like half the episode felt like they just reused the same shots, even though they probably didn't. And I get it was supposed to be like a mind-bending that in this hotel, one corridor leads down the same corridor, leads down another corridor. Yeah. Um, It was just a bit messy. And cheap. Mm. I'd say cheap. Yeah. Cheap tricks. That cheap tricks. It just didn't work for me. No, oh, well that uh, it really didn't work for me. And the that's my and I came away from that episode thinking I don't know what I watched. Yeah. I wasn't on my phone or anything. I was listening. My, you were all my intention my, yeah, all of it was on that episode yeah. and I can't I can barely remember what happened to be honest. It's a godsend that I've got notes. <laughs> It's, um, yeah, I mean, put it, well, I wrote notes for this one, and I wrote notes down for The Brain of, Mor- blah, blah, the Brain of Morbius, mm. and I've got three pages for The Brain of Morbius, and on my first run through the God Complex, I had one line, and I, I genuinely couldn't think of anything to say, and I, I did a, a six-word review if you'd like to see my initial thoughts, like, on the first... Um, well, I don't know if I can see it, but I'd love to listen to it. Well, uh, yeah. My initial. This is what I wrote, right? Story idea good. Everything else. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. It just. The story felt... idea was good. That's why I chose it. Yeah. That's why I chose it last week. It was. Um... Yeah. I'd. <laughs> <laughs> Well, All right, we feel a bit lost for words now. Yeah. So, so I tell you what, let's what which, first scene. What what do you want to talk about next about it? I want to go to the first scene. Okay. Very first scene. Yeah. Um, where we've got the corridor, haven't we? Yeah. And that policewoman going down. And can I just say, how are these people getting there? Well. I think it's made clear. It's a prison ship, isn't it? It is a prison ship. Yeah, and the in prison space, ship. But we never see space for some reason. Well, I think the prison ship harvests people, doesn't it? Or something? I, I feel don't know. I feel really underprepared now, but I'm sure at the end it, they mention something that it harvests or picks the people that yeah. it thinks will feed it. Yeah. And saying it, what comes out to stalk the uh, policewoman in the first scene? The Minotaur thing. Oh, the Minotaur uh, oh, thing. Yeah, well, it's, isn't it a, a, chimpan- a monkey? A gorilla? Is it? There's a gorilla that comes out, for, I'm sure, that for the policewoman. Lucy Haywood. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's like, it's the Minotaur using her yeah, yeah. Well, fear. It's the fear her. in the room is the chimpanzee, isn't yeah. it? The, the gorilla. Monkey, whatever you... <laughs> yeah. And what a weird thing to choose in your first... Like, this will really hook 
the audience. Well, this will this first scene will hook them. Seeing a man in gorilla suit coming out. Yeah, um, it, it was very obviously a man in a gorilla suit. I know that's a petty thing to say because it is quite well, hard. That is her fear. But she's scared of men. A man in a gorilla suit. Maybe. Yeah. It's um. Yeah, I know. It sounds petty to say that. It looked like a man in a gorilla suit. But mm. it seemed, it was completely obvious that it was a man in a suit. And you would have yeah. thought there would be a way, maybe just don't show it for so long. Well, they didn't, did they? The monster, that's what I did like about the episode. Yeah, they didn't show the monster, but, I mean, like the gorilla. Like, if you've got, if, if yeah. say, say there's a costume that's lacking, or the monster doesn't look that great. Just don't show it enough. Don't yeah. do like a full, like wide shot of it. Here it is, and linger. Well, I feel like you'd want to, if your characters are based in a situation um, and in this story where their worst fears are coming out of these rooms. I think having these rooms at like a vessel for like the audience's fears as well. Yeah, I feel like. It screamed that you didn't know what was in this room, but there's so much room <laughs> for the audience to place their fears in there. Yeah. And like, and to do that, you don't show these things. You use sounds. You use you know light in it to really enforce the fact that you don't know what's coming, but in your imagination, you can imagine it's going to be pretty horrific. But yeah. And then they didn't really do that in the first scene, and. Uh, I do remember the policeman's reaction to it. It was just like a faint-hearted, oh! I do remember that. Ah. Oh dear. Oh dear. Mm. Uh, ow. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like we're going to talk about a lot of missed opportunities in this episode. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, can we can we try and focus on the good first? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like we're going way too uh, Yeah, negative. I mean... I don't want to be because I, I was, I was I excited that. to watch Matt, Matt Smith stuff. What I hate, I'm not inherently going to hate it just because it, I don't like the characters or the actor or the writers or anything like that. <laughs> because, because miracles can happen, yeah, well, so I'm not going to just assume that's terrible. I just want to point this out, right? There's this, there's a thing in sort of in Doctor Who fandom at the minute, and it's probably been around for a few years to be honest, but I've only sort of been noticed it for. You know, the past, I'd say since Jodie turned up that I've noticed it, this very sort of hostile atmosphere that is around fandom. And it is hostile as well, isn't it? It is, and it's not, it is genuinely, it is not nice, and it is horrible. I am, right, <laughs> I am not the biggest fan of Jodie's era. I know we're not talking about Jodie's era now. <laughs> I am not the biggest fan of Jodie's era, but I think she's great. But f- fandom has this way of just hating her, and all of the hate comments that pop up on Twitter is horrible. And I, I feel bad sometimes for saying bad things about stories that I don't like, because I don't want it to come across as if I'm doing that thing that people yeah. do of sort of I hate this I hate this and I hold my hand it's, up it is fueled with so much hate yeah I, I will I hold my hand up 
I had some initial reactions to the Timeless Children that I didn't, you know, I didn't hate it, but it all, it put me off. I did not enjoy that. And I, I just want to apologize now. Um, you know, because after seeing the hate, I've said hate a lot, but there is a lot of hate. After seeing it, yeah, I feel bad. And I just want to make it clear, I am not bashing by saying that I did not enjoy this story. And there are some points that I no. want to bring up that I think are make it a bad story in my eyes i'd like to think that these podcasts and things like that and fan bases are there to only enjoy the product and try and improve it because of the enjoyment out of it exactly and And i think unwarranted hate towards one particular thing out like it's seemingly out of nowhere it's like someone like they jumped the bandwagon like I don't know the ins and outs of it because I'm a newbie to all this, but I've seen it in other places, and it's just not helpful to anyone. No, yeah, and it's, one no. day it'll get cancelled, and it'll be all your fault. But yeah. <laughs> so and they might be saying, "Oh, good, yeah." <laughs> no. So yeah, I know. I know what you mean. So well, I'll expand a little bit quickly. Is it? I think fuel. All this hate is fueled by the love of the TV show. And how it's not what they want it to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I don't know how it's going to be what you want it to be when all you're saying and all you're doing is just pure aggression. Exactly. But the thing is, Mindless as well, aggression. The, the, the program has its eras that everybody clings to. There's certain stories and certain you know, series that you hold mm. dear and other series that you don't like. And that's fine. And I don't understand that why when the series when say say like season thirteen's coming out now, somebody will love season thirteen and somebody will hate it. But the person who hates it, I don't understand why they've got to go out of their way to say how terrible it is. Just don't maybe it's inventing yeah. Anyway. Um so yeah, back. Well, we need to, we need to say it because I yeah. feel like every series after what like Tenant is going to be, um, it's going to have that baggage. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be progressively worse through the series. I don't know how Capaldi went, but uh, Capaldi, I wasn't part of social media when saying part of social media like i've got a mass following like i've got a cult of morbius <laughs> that's wow see what i did there but that's later on yeah um but from what i understand there was a lot of capaldi hate when he was about that's the end of my sentence there Okay, okay. I thought you were going to expand on that. No, yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure why. Was there as much hate as there was with Matt Smith and Jodie? I think Matt Smith was, for the most part, really liked. Oh, really? Well, we had a look at those polls. I know the polls are never anything, but Mm. he is quite up there, I think, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's never, like, last. No. But anyway, Um, back to the God Complex. Let's find some good points to say. I'd like to... I would like to know why he's ranked so highly, but this episode didn't do anything to inform me on why he should be like ranked so highly. Um, 
So I don't know if you want to continue through the plot. Um, well, it's, or it's if up you to, want to speak. I, yeah, let's. What notes have you got? To be honest, they're quite vague because, <laughs> like you said at the beginning, the story it felt quite stretched, and it feels like a filler episode. I don't mean that oh, to sound sure. as yeah. if sort of right. We've got however yeah. many episodes. Is it twelve episodes um, in a series or eleven episodes yeah, in a series now? This isn't. An... So is this the episode before the last of that series? Maybe. No, it's not. This is episode eleven. Episode series six. Yeah. I think there's twelve. Um, there? there might have been more. Well, I know from the first four seasons that it was played with that problem. Problem. Yeah, it kept coming up where you'll just have some random episode. Like I'm thinking, um, like the Lazarus experiment. Hmm. Like, what was that there for? It didn't do anything. And yeah. of course, you got you know the Daleks in Manhattan. Oh God! Um, <laughs> I watched yeah, that last week. Oh God! Um, but yeah, so the for me this the, episode love of monsters as well. Uh, yeah. But this episode, for yeah. me, hmm. I think the idea of the story is great. I really like the fear behind the door thing. And I suppose hmm. it's playing on the sort of theme of the show, isn't it? Of sort of, you know, hiding behind the sofa. There's a fear there that you, you know, don't look at it, but you, yeah. you can't help but look. You know. And I think the idea of it is now, great. Where was... But the, the core crux of the problem is that they completely negate to do anything with those, like, the fears and doors. There is no tension. It's just throwaway bits inside. Yeah. That don't amount to anything. Well, I and think... I've actually got a... Uh, I've got my favourite quote um, from the show, from the that episode. Um, where is it? <laughs> oh, what were you going to say? Uh, um, yeah, th- that the the uh, it feels like a filler because they keep repeating themselves by going inside the rooms, yeah, and showing what's behind the room. I don't know that that needs to be done because it's to prove a point that you know the fear is behind the door and it's coming for you, and that's how it's going to get in your head. But mm-hmm. it's sort of like, well, you're doing that rather than exploring it. We get that this thing's behind the door, mm. so do something with them rather than just keep showing them, oh, that's what so-and-so's scared of, and that's what so-and-so's scared of, and they're scared of this, and they're scared of this, and they're scared of this, and here's the monster. It's like, well... Oh, hi. Yeah, you know, and I get, you know, it's... They're behind the door for the monster's purpose, but they just... There's no need for them to be there, really. Like, you could just... Well, the whole point in having these... I get, like, a huge part of this episode is those doors and those fears, and it, it's how the monster feeds. Um, but it, it, you're absolutely right when it says it's pointless them being there if it doesn't serve anything towards plot yeah. or we, character building or anything like that. We paid for these costumes now, so we've got to use them. So put them behind the door. We've got to use them. We've got to use it. Um, Carl's got um, a clown costume if you want to use that. Well, Brilliant. Yeah, bring them down. We are five minutes late, so... We're under running. Well, <laughs> chuck him in. Rory can be scared of that. We're supposed to be out this room. I tend to. 
And it's quarter to you now. Yeah, come Where, on. Have you, we got a clown costume or anything in those boxes. Anything. Get him in now. He can't act. Just <laughs> tell him to be unhappy. Yeah, just shut face. All right. He's really camera shy. Brilliant. He'll be great for it then. <laughs> oh, my God. The the quote I was looking for was um, Amy. Yeah. Amy Pond, that's the... Yeah. Um, she says he will dis towards uh, one of the companions while the doctor's messing around. To Rory. He will work it out. I think so. Oh, God. I'll come on to that. <laughs> He'll work it out. He always does. But she says it in such a... Oh, yeah, that's the episode. Like That's how these episodes work out. Not with faith, but just... I was When she said that, I was like, yeah, that, and that's why I should turn this off right now. Yeah. Because no one's acting like this is important. Uh, not not the writers, not the... <laughs> but no one. The thing with it, Amy I, Pond as well uh, hmm. is she's a bit of a bitch. Oh. And it's not Karen Gillan. The character, not, yeah, the character, yeah, yeah not Karen Gillan because yeah. she she's in the Marvel things, isn't she? And she's pretty good in that. But she, to be fair, yeah, she's alright. Yeah. yeah, but Amy Pond, I think it's the character, and it might be the way that she acts it a little bit. She's just, she's horrible to Rory, and she's so who's Rory? Rory's her husband. That's the other companion. What? Okay, okay, right, go on. I'll come back to that. But. And she's just horrible with him. And he says there's a line in it where... Um, he has a line in it. Yeah, he says one word at some point. He's, you know, he's very pushed to the sidelines in this, isn't he? But he says something about her hitting him. And it's just, it makes you instantly like dislike the character. And you shouldn't dislike the character, dislike the companion. Because I think, for the most part, Doctor Who, the companion, is the viewer. Yeah, because it was always a vehicle the, yeah, for the, the audience. To, yeah, the companion is like the viewer in the story. Well. Yeah, mm, it and works it... really well. Because I remember when I was um, little, I grew growing up with Doctor Who. He was always like this mystical um, enigma that had so many secrets, and I couldn't help but watch more to find out more about that character. And that is another point that I'd li- I'd like to say. That you've brought that up now about the mystery of the character, I feel the new series does too much to sort of lift the cover of the mystery. It's still obviously there. There's bits that we don't know, but it seems every series we find out something that we never knew before. That doesn't really matter, but it feels as if it's a thing now that you've got to find out something new. Well, we've got to know where he came from. We've got to know what yeah. this is. Da, 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 da. And it's sort of, we're starting to, I think the series is starting to look through the Doctor's perspective rather than the Companion's perspective. I think it works better from the Companion perspective because you can, uh, yeah, that's that's the way the classic series was built really, is that you're going on the journey through the eyes of the Companion because you don't know anything and you don't know what the Doctor's plan is, you know. And those uh, early series as well, in the new in the new ones. Yeah, it does that. It, We're the same. Yeah. With Rose, you start off with Rose. It's her, you know, yeah. life in the day of her. And it's very much home-based, um, isn't it? But I'd say that's the that's exactly, difference yeah. as well between Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat, is that Russell T. Davis is very a homegrown story, whereas Stephen Moffat tends to be a bit more 
uh, fantasy based. Okay. I think a lot of his stories follow that trope of sort of, you know, wibbly wobbly, and I hate the word <laughs> timey wimey. Timey wimey. Oh <sighs> God. But yeah, you know, it, uh, yeah. But anyway, again, back to the god complex. Um. So. Yeah, I don't think it's paced very well at all. No. Like, there was no core structure to it. it. It was like a common Doctor Who story was thrown at it. Like it was thrown at an idea someone had, mm. and it crashed on the floor, and that's what we got. Well, I don't know where everyone is at one time. The characters are splitting off everywhere when no one said split up. And this is a, this is another problem. We get individual little scenes, don't we, of the characters, yeah. sort of all of the individual characters. But because we don't really know them, we don't care. So, mm. Rita... Yeah, completely new characters. And, uh, you know, that I... it's, it's fun, you know, uh, you don't expect every story to have the same characters, but you need to do a little no. bit to sort of convince you that you like them. Otherwise, when they die, it doesn't matter. But I will say, um... Rita... The nurse, yeah, I think she's great. Oh, do you? I thought she was a, she was really good, but I thought the way her and the doctor were together really unsettling. I didn't like that. Oh, why? The, the constant flirting thing. I didn't like that. I yeah. didn't enjoy that at all. It made me well, really uncomfortable, and and I don't know why it made me uncomfortable. But it was sort of like, I don't know, like watching a bedroom scene with your parents. Mm. It felt really horrible. And it's false. I can't remember. Oh. Like, I can't remember the scene. Like, I can remember her in scenes, but I, I can't remember anyone being impactful in it or having any sort of emotion. No. Like, I can't remember having emotion from the scenes I saw. I'd love to have an uncomfortable one. At least that's something. Yeah. It's. <laughs> but I think if talking back to series three, episode eight, this is with Tenant. Hmm. Um. Well, it's a two-part. So do you know the Family Blood? Uh, it's one where uh, the Doctor goes uh, back to like nineteen thirteen, I think it is, and he he puts all of his like Time Lord essence into this pocket watch. Yeah. And um <laughs> You put me off now. I haven't put you off. We'll have to edit that. You have to edit that now. <laughs> you put me off. I'm gonna keep that in. But yeah, he puts all the Time Lord Essence in a pocket watch. He puts all the Time Lord Essence in a pocket watch. And do you know this episode? No. The Scarecrows, where he works in a school. Um no. He works in a school and he can't remember if he's like he can't remember he's a doctor. He's just a normal person. David actually, Tennant. He's changed into a human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's changed into a human. Um, unfortunately, no. Like I said... Right, forget it then. Like I said, I, I have watched all the new series once, and since then, yeah. it has been wiped from my mind. Right. Well, I was just going to say, the character building, that's great. Yeah. But is it a two-parter? It is a two-parter, yeah. Th I rest my case. This is... what. We're going to go on another tangent now. 
This is my difference number one between the old series and the new. And you've just found this out, haven't you, about the differences between the old and the new? Because whilst I preparing have. these notes, and I said, uh, have you have you sorted all the notes? And you said, yeah, yeah, I watched the episode, The Brain of Morbius. Pardon? I've watched <laughs> the episode, The Brain of Morbius. You didn't know there was more than one episode in there, did you? I, um, I, I, well... No. No. Well, I, I saw the cliffhanger at the end, and I didn't know if that was going to lead on to something a few episodes on, no, or yeah. if it's the episode after. But it's actually a four-parter, isn't it? It is a four-parter. And, not to bash you there, but the way the old series deals a lot better with character development, I feel, than the new series, because you've got the time to build up the character. Mm. Whereas the new series, everything is crammed into an hour. So the two-parters work mm. much better. Yeah, but well, I, I wrote a note about that, and I don't want to spill into Brain of Morbius. Yeah, but um, I think having those four-parter, it forces the writers to have something consequential, after, like at the end of each part. Yep, it, but you have to progress that episode. I will say, yeah, but I will say, I don't, I not that I don't think it would work. It wouldn't work nowadays if you had stories that had more than so many episodes because if you're not interested in that first episode you're stuck with that for a month or two months and tv now doesn't work like that unless it's a single storyline you know like if it's a sort of a line of duty that is six episodes and then it's done Mm. that's fine if you don't like it don't watch it but if it's a series that's got a sort of a cult following you need those separate stories nowadays just to sort of go here's daleks bang Here's Weeping Angels, bang, to sort of keep, yeah. you know, keep your attention and weave your story arc over that series rather than have many mm. sort of things. And I thought this episode could have been, um, a lot of series have that one episode in, um, like, the entire series. I know Breaking Bad did it. Um Family Guy does it sometimes, where they'll place characters in one room, and but all it is is pure character development. Yeah, um, and the only like the only thing they they try and achieve is to come out of that episode with a different character yeah. or a different mindset for that character. Well, in the in the in um, series one, the William Hartnell yeah. era, there's a story called The Edge of Destruction, where the entire story is set just in the TARDIS console room. It's mm. not like explore the TARDIS oh, wow. thing. And I th- I'm going to get slated now. It's either a two-parter or a three-parter. I can't remember. I think it might be two. Where basically the whole idea of it is that it's just to build the character development and make you care. Yeah. And the story, you know, the story's not great and it's got a pointless ending. But it does work to make you like the characters so it's you know it's achieved its purpose like that yeah i do think you have to pause sometimes with shows like this where there's so much going on and so much different every episode um and i really thought this would be one that are locked in a hotel and it and you're there they're there to like the whole episode is about working out people's fears yeah it just mm, what a missed opportunity another thing as well that i feel the old series does this, but the new series does it more, I think, 
where it stop starts the adventure all the time to put in little bits of character development but it's so overshadowed by the action that you just don't care yeah whereas if you get it done not sort of get it done with but if you do it at the beginning you can get on with the action because you you care about the characters because it's already there mm. but it feels a bit stop start where you keep sort of and it, this story is a sort of is a way that that rears its head because you've got to stop start because as the characters are meeting their fear, you're finding out about them. So it's like, well, here's their fear and da da da. Here's their fear. <laughs> you know, and it sort of it mm. feels a bit stop start, stop start, stop start. But yeah. that's yeah, it's just the nature of the story. I think really that sort of. And I can I can only assume that they wanted the pacing and all the characters split up and all yeah you know, all the rooms looking like the same, um, yeah. because it's almost like that limbo state where everything just falls into everything else and you're not too sure where you are in the story. Yeah, and I like that idea. It just didn't work. And it, what a shame. Yeah, it wasn't executed very well. But let's. Uh, so it was yeah, written by well. it was written by Toby Whitehouse, who's written for Doctor Who before. What's he done? He wrote School Reunion, where Sarah Jane came back. Oh, okay. The David Tennant one. And then... Yeah, it's all right, though. He wrote uh, The Vampires of Venice. I'm not very aware of no, that. I don't know that one. The God Complex. So he wrote this. Uh, I think I watched that. <laughs> a Town Called Mercy. I'm At this present moment, I haven't got a clue. Under the no, Lake and Before the Flood. Um, yeah. Oh, and The Lie of the Land. I don't know what that is either. But he also wrote something that we were talking about the other day, Being Human. Oh, so you write that? He created Being Human. Oh, wow. He created it, did he? Yeah. Um, funny you should say that. No, I don't know. No, No, it's a good show, though. Yeah. I, I like that. I don't think I've ever seen um, it. Or I might have seen it and just sort of not. It's very, like, campy and stodgy. Is that stodgy. the right word? Yeah, Soggy well, it, it's, it's very... Hmm. It's like you've got the underbelly of humanity, but told in a lighter-hearted way. Oh. It, I thought it was quite good, though. Um. So what was up with the Sherlock Holmes shots? Did Sherlock Holmes come out when this episode was written or something? Do you remember when he's working, I think his name Joe, when he's tied down with all the dummies in the room? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and does this happen in a lot of Matt Smith episodes where he's looking at the lapel and he's he's looking at the ropes and he's trying to work out what's happening here? Um, I'm not I'm not too sure, but I think it's just a way, well, it is a way, isn't it, of sort of us, see it, us noticing what he's noticing. And- yeah, and that's evidence that we're not we're no longer in like the companion shoes anymore. The audience is fully with the doctor with his from his perspe- perspective. Do you know is it that or is it just that the companion is not relatable at all? I think it's fine to show what the doctor shows. Well, See, if you've ever waited for someone to come home, I think that's the only relation you could have with her. Yeah. You ever waited for a takeaway to come? There you go, you're like Amy Pond, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like that's all I know. I've seen, I have seen the first episode of Matt Smith ages ago, and all I remember from that was that Amy Pond was waiting. 
And in this one, it's again she's waiting. I think. Or her, what? So what was her fear? Is it the monster didn't feed off fear? Did it in the end? It was something like it's the the monster feeds off your faith. Faith. So that's the, a bunch of bullshit, really. Isn't it? <laughs> is it Joe, the the guy with the dolls? Yeah. His faith was luck because he had a gambling cufflink. He did. Um, Other than that, I... (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how the acting works out. So basically, it's... The whole point is for Amy Pond, her faith is in the Doctor. And the way they get out of it is that the Doctor convinces Amy so she doesn't have faith in him. So the monster stops feeding and dies. In a matter of 30 seconds. Yeah. Oh. And the monster dies. And for some reason, everyone's saying he's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, you're uh, beautiful. So... Oh, you're beautiful, aren't you? Jeez Louise. Mm. Um, so what other notes do you have on it? <sighs> That's about, you know... Should we talk about David Williams? We should talk about the Walliams in the room, shouldn't we? Not so much, not so much Walliams himself, but this problem new Doctor Who has in introducing like new characters that are completely based on celebrities and not at all an actual character. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the... I think I just summed it up, there, didn't I? When I saw the the character, when I saw his face, I thought, "You look familiar." And I am yeah. I am praying it is not what I think. I had no idea David Williams was in this. I added a die. And I saw his face and I thought kill me. Please, no. Oh. I'm not a big David Williams fan, much like I'm not a big Matt Lucas fan. And they've both been in Doctor Who now. Both been in Doctor Who. Both. And um I don't know what to say really, other than there was no need for him to be in the episode. Did his character do anything at all to aid anyone? Well, I think it felt as if his character was supposed to put you off the scent because there were certain points in the story, like when he freed... Um, yeah, I did actually write down David Walms as the body, I guess. That. Is it Howie? The guy, uh, the young lad with the stutter, or who had a stutter and it got cured? Uh, not yeah, cured, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, Howie, the computer Howie? geek. Yeah, the yeah the computer yeah. geek. When he freed, it, I thought I so. He's he's working for the monster because he's the only monster, you know, he's the only alien, quote unquote, in the cast. Oh, was he an alien? Yeah, that is not David Williams's face. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. It's a rough night for David. Oh. Yeah, the the Britain's Got Talent Christmas do really took its toll oh on David God. the next day of filming. But yeah, I, I thought, thought you meant Howie the computer geek. No, <laughs> well, he's not an alien. He's a human. No, but Gibbis yeah. is an alien, and he comes from the planet Tavoli. Well, thank you for your notes there. There we are. But no, yeah, I thought. <laughs> well, yeah, I just I was convinced myself that right. So he's working. He's feeding them. You know. He's giving yeah. them away, sort of thing. But, no. Because the bad guys always have an accomplice, don't they? Well, yeah, you know, I, but... 
Obviously not this time. Often, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I think we should pause here. I don't know when this started, but we'll go. So, there was one thing about the Doctor that I found really unconventional with his character. Of what I know, uh, you know, of his character. Yep. And I think three people die before Rita, and he is completely unfazed by it. Completely. Like, he's laughing and joking, and he let them down. He mm. tried to save them and said he would, but he completely let them down. And then Rita dies, and suddenly, oh my god. Oh my god, what have I done? Yeah. Is that, I think that's... that's... Like they all mourn for her. Uh, yeah. So what happened? Well, I think it's that the. Cry, no. That's why Sorry. they've they've written in the. I think that's why they've written in the love thing, like that he fancies her mm. and she fancies him, so that when she dies, he cares. But. Right. I suppose it's just a bit of a. A cop off, really, and it's a sort of. Just. I just. Just to kick the story. One person. Dead is one person too much. That's the doctor I know. Do you know well, let's like, say he would lose his shit over even bad guys dying. Like no life needs to die. Yeah. But he honestly, it's like he's half asleep for the whole thing. But his eyes are like that. All you can't see, but <laughs> <laughs> his eyes are like they're like, like He is baked. Like he <laughs> just came onto set baked, and. I suppose the, it makes him feel a bit more alien, happened. though, doesn't it? Him being baked? No. <laughs> that he sort like of... Distant he, from yeah, else. Yeah, that like, he feels oh, a bit... Yeah. Well, distant yeah. is the word, I suppose. That, you know, he, not that he yeah. doesn't care, but he sort of glosses over or ignores things. I suppose it makes him feel a bit more alien. But correct me if I'm wrong, the Doctor doesn't get um, stalked by the Minotaur, does it? Does he? Um, he doesn't go after so. him, does he? Does it? <laughs> no, if anything, the doctor goes after him. Yeah. Monster. I mean, I could be completely wrong, and the whole plot of the story is that it's after the doctor, but if it was after the doctor, that hits more, home more than it being after David Williams and, you know, all the other cast, because your lead character is in danger. Well, surely those three characters are there for a reason. Uh, so they, like, because that's the problem I had with it. If it's a prison, what are they doing there? Well, what they're, they're, they're prisoners, right? No, they're they're there. They're there. There, they are there because it's food yeah. for the Minotaur and it's picking them up. Oh, just to keep the prison running. Yeah, just because the, there's nobody on board the prison ship. It, yeah, it's all automated. Isn't yeah, it? and it's stuck on a setting okay. apparently. And I'm assuming that the setting it's stuck on is grabbing people. Oh, okay, so it's a fault with the whole prison. I think so, yeah. I feel, oh, okay. I feel very underprepared now, but I think so, Well, yeah. it's not our fault, though. Like, Yeah. I, oh. I think this, is, so, this is a problem that I have with New Who, that because it's all crammed into an hour, yeah. so much happens, but so little happens as well. So yeah. there's tons of things happening that seem thrown together that makes you sort of lose track of how the story went and you get to the end and you just think hang on 
and again. <laughs> but before you can think, next time comes up. Oh, I hate next time. I do too. I think uh, it's, it's just terrible. And the nail in it the coffin. ruins every episode. Don't say it about this next time. I'm going to just say something, right? Yeah. This, this sounds awful now. But for two episodes in a row, we're mentioning James Corden. Because after not quite God. enjoying the episode, what comes up in the yeah. next time? James Corden. And that's why I was done. Yeah. I thought, I'm out. I can't do it. I'll have to watch them all eventually. But... Yeah. Gosh. So, can I move I on to... Sorry, go on. Well, the only one thing I wanted to say was the sound and the music in that episode. I was just going to say... Do you want to do sound or music first? Um, the only sound I can really think of was um, that jump scare sound that was used over and over again. Yeah. But in terrible cases. Like, there's a lot that just goes through the door to this terminal. It's like, <laughs> wow. But it's like slightly off. So he bursts yeah. through the door, he's on the computer, he's messing around, checking his emails, and then it happens. I remember there was, <laughs> there was one jump scene that I thought was good. But jump scenes in general, I think, only work once. And any time after that, they're just... It's just there to make everybody go, Whoa! Isn't the story great? <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and the then, music, I can't remember. Music, Murray Gold. Hmm. So Murray Gold did the music for pretty much... I think, he, he, yeah, he did every story from 2005 to 2017. Really? Yeah. Which credit to him you know that's that's no easy feat no it's a lot that is a lot of music and you think probably per episode what is there 25 minutes of music maybe half an hour mm. um, i might be wrong there might be like 10 minutes in there but mm. even still there's a lot of episodes there and a lot of music to be filled but as uh, you know, my area of expertise is in music, I'd say, mm. and your expert, your expertise lies in film and cinematography because that is your yeah. uni thing. Mm. I do not. I am not a fan of Murray Gold. I have to say that now, and I, it's another thing that whenever say when I say stuff like this is like going back to the beginning. I feel like I'm just bashing the new series, being like, "Well, I don't like the music, and I don't like the story, and I don't like this." Why don't you like the music? My main problem with the music, and it's it's because he's been told to do this probably because they're not just going to say, "Right, Murray, can you go and write us the music for this story?" And then he just hands it in, and they just stick it in. You know, mm. he's obviously been told we need this to do this and this to do this because that's his job is for him to write to what they want. But he has a style that comes out that forces you, right, now you need to cry, and now you need to feel this, and now you're going to do this. Rather than letting mm. the story do it, I beg of you. It's not strong enough. Yeah. It, the story, it doesn't matter. It's, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> It just does it. it. He does it all the time, and it's all the crying bits are always the worst in New Who. Whenever there's an emotional scene, it's like, right, Murray, you know what to do. Yeah, I've got to make him cry. You know, <laughs> that's not how he sounds, and I feel awful. But yeah, Condor. And, yeah. 
And I will say, I don't know a lot about Murray Gold, but he mm. writes his scores as if he is a guitar player. Right. And that's going to be very vague to anybody. Yeah. There's probably like one person that knows what I mean. But the way that he orchestrates everything feels very much like the way a guitar player thinks. And still nobody knows what I mean. But if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. It's It instantly sounds... Yeah, I don't know what to say. Like he is a guitar player. I don't know if he is. He might not be. It tends to be guitar players write like that. And sort of... Um, what did he write? What would you mean? Like, it's like very, the structure of the music itself, like, is it's very melodic, and not in a way sort of this themes and like, oh, here's like, you know, like there's that roses theme, the da 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 mm. thing or whatever. I can't remember what it was, but he, it's written in a way that sort of, it's very chordy rather than being. Mm orchestrated it sounds great it's a lovely orchestration whoever does it because he's just writing it i doubt he's orchestrating it as well yeah it's a lovely sound and it's the bbc uh concert orchestra i think i think it is the bbc concert orchestra which fun fact tim used to be uh the uh head of percussion for who's tim as in music tim that nobody on the podcast will know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so... <laughs> but yeah, it used to be the head of percussion. But it sounds That's great. Cool. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, for the BBC concert. I feel concert like he's done orchestra. everything. He's done everything. But then nothing at all at the same but time. But nothing. Much like this episode. has done everything, but nothing for me. Our podcast episode, the Matt Smith episode. Just both. Well, let's move on. Six of one and so, half a dozen of the other. We'll, we'll say goodbye to James. We'll James say goodbye Corden. to James We'll Corden. see you next time. Won't be in this episode. And if we ever feature him in an episode again, I think it should be an, a mega James Corden special. Oh, brilliant. Please, can we do that? The James Corden it's, Christmas special. I'm working on the script already. So can we give this so, a rating? Um, Now... I'm not a huge fan of ratings. Um, I get, I know what you mean because there's nothing to judge it against. So it's sort of as if no. you've got to watch ten of them before you can even. Do I judge it against the whole like how to make a story in all of media? Yeah. I'd like to just, in this instance, say, well, would is it watchable? Yes. Would I watch it? No. No, I wouldn't. I feel like I've wasted my time. I'm not angry by it. It just didn't do anything. Oh, what a shame. I, I'll yeah, say that again. I'd say I enjoyed watching it, but would I watch it again? No. The same as would what you... Would you buy it? No. No. So what's it there for? Well, it appeals to somebody, obviously. Otherwise... Please give us feedback if we are completely wrong. Yeah, I'd please do. Know why. Please we do. Never have to speak of it again. Oh, and speaking of which, Would we do have some, we do have some feedback, which is very exciting, well, well, and we'll get to that. We, we we'll do. get to we that. We will get. I nearly How wet exciting. myself. I nearly wet myself. Oh, <laughs> um, so, what would you rate it? Let's go out of ten. Hmm. And can we please not do scores of like eight point three and eight? 
you know, no decimals. No decimals. You may as well do it out of twenty if you're going to do that. Mm. So let's and do. Don't it. forget, five is average. Five yeah. isn't a bad one. Five isn't a bad so one. So I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> <laughs> I would say out of ten, based on all mm. of New Who that I've seen, mm. I would rate the God Complex a five. Oh, against all the New Who. Yeah. Because it, That's scary, isn't it? it is scary, isn't it? It didn't annoy me. I said, it did annoy me, but it did no harm. It's a throwaway episode that I think you're supposed to just mm-hmm. watch, enjoy, and throw it away. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's the Heat magazine. I'm sorry, of, I chose it. Well, don't be sorry because we got a lot to go through. We so, do. Which is exciting. Even so, gone. so I'm going to say God Let's Complex. Go to your... I'm going to say five. Do you want yeah. me to give it a, a, a vague rating? What would you give it? Two. A two. Yeah. Wow. So let's leave the uh, God Complex behind. Oh, by the way, the Minotaur is a distant coven- cousin of the Nymon, which is a story for you oh, to how look lovely. A story right, for you to look the forward brain to. Of Morbius. <laughs> So yeah, the I brain don't Morbius. Talk about brain <laughs> Make Morbius. it stop. Let's go. Brain of Morbius. So, <laughs> mad scientist Professor Solon is building a body from spare parts to house a disembodied brain of the evil Time Lord Morbius. He fancies the Doctor's head as as the final piece. <laughs> I just forgot how to read. <laughs> so. Uh, would you like to hear my thoughts first, or your? Shall I hear your thoughts? I would love to hear your thoughts, only because, okay. and I think the listener, the single listener, yeah. would like yeah. would like to hear your thoughts because this is your first foray into Doctor Who. Yeah, into first classic Who. one. Watch it by myself. Yeah, paying attention. Yeah. Um. So please do tell. What are your thoughts on the Brain of Morbius, Morbius season 13, Morbius. episode 5? Well, uh, I always thought of older Doctor Who like, series as some distant relic that I probably will never watch, and that to watch it, I will need a translator. Right. Like, like That's the best way I could describe it. Because I I just thought it was so inaccessible to me, so old and okay, and that's not to say like I don't like old things or can get acquainted with old things. It was just something about Doctor Who, with the the way they use the camera and use the sets, and oh, it just time. screamed. It's not though, is it? It's in a weird, weird place. Because you'll see other things. Now I'll scrap that. Scrap that. Can I rub that out? You can rub? Can we rub what we've done so far in the Brave Morbius out, please? I won't go any further with the point I made, I think. Oh, no, go do it, do it. I'm not too sure what I'm... Are you recording? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's all right. 
All right, go for it. Go, go for, it. Go go for, for it. it. So right. now to the brain of Morbius, which is very exciting. So you, do you want the synopsis? Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mad scientist Professor Solon is building a body from spare parts to house the disembodied brain of the evil Time Lord, Morbius. He fancies the Doctor's head as the final piece. So, that is the brain of Morbius, season 13, serial number 5. I am very excited to hear what you think of this episode, because this is your first delve foray Mm. into classic Doctor Who, full on. Because you've watched Earthshot with me once, haven't you? But this is your first chance to watch an episode of Doctor Who on your own, and take it all in. I was a bit scared. Um, but I just wanted to say, for older Doctor Who series, I always felt like it's so distant away from what I'm like familiar with. Yeah. That, like, it's like you're flipping over a card. Like, it's just not what I'm acquainted with. And I felt like I needed a translator, which would be you, to understand the beats of the story, what was going on. Let me be your guide. Let's oh. <laughs> hold hands Let, um, and go far away let's into a land. Let's hands. COVID secure. COVID secure, thank you. Let's keep two metres apart and mask mm. up and delve into the story <laughs> and your thoughts. The brain of Morbius. So um, go on. So, so go on. Expand. So expand clever. on your. I'm thoughts. trying. If you just let me speak. I do apologise. That is very annoying on me. <laughs> I was so pleasantly surprised. Really? Because I just knew what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I knew what was happening. No. And the the story made sense. Yes. I felt like I didn't need to watch anything before it. I don't need to watch anything after it. It was a. Ta- it was a capsule. It was a story in a capsule in time that I can take out and screw it off the cap, smell it, and like, oh, that's the aroma that I I remember. I can stick that in now, and I can watch this event happen, and I can put it back in, and it's a little tiny capsule that I can keep. Do you know what? I love that. That makes me very happy because... The Brain of Morbius is a classic, right? Hmm. It's sort of it's considered. Yeah, is it is it heralded as this this one of the best episodes? This season and the season before and sort of early Tom Baker is always held up on a pedestal, rightly so, as being the god complex okay. of New Who of of classic Who. Sorry, you know it's it's on a pedestal, rightly so, because. They are classic stories, and they're fantastic. Mm. And I picked this one particularly because I really, really like The Brain of Morbius. I think it's fantastic. Mm. But I will say, I thought you weren't going to like it. I did, but what I will say after you saying that is that I'm scared that that's the tip of the mountain. I <laughs> No. This, is high, this is high up as sort of being a classic story. But I don't think it ever comes top in sort of the, st- the stories of all time. Oh, okay. It's a great example. Yeah, I think this is a good story if somebody has not seen Classic Who before and you want to give them a story that's not sort of 
oh, should have told me about that first. You know, something that's a bit dodgy. Yeah, because yeah. all I need to know is that it's Doctor, it's the Doctor and his companion. Yeah. That's I, all I need to know. If you've seen New well, Who... It, it explains everything else. And you can assume other stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's inoffensive, but it's got a story that works. <clears throat> and it rattles along but a long nice was that TARDIS dirty? Filth. His TARDIS is filthy. Yeah. Why? <sighs> it's minging. It's just it's dripping. Dripping. Look at it. <laughs> oh my god! I think the shock came from like because Matt Smith is so well kept. Yeah. It looks almost plastic. I do, I'm not a fan of that but TARDIS. He needs to do something with that TARDIS. Yeah. Give it a lick of paint, Tom. Stop spending so many so, nights in the pub and get your TARDIS mm. cleaned. So go on. So we'll do the same thing that we did with the God Complex. When you watched yeah. it. Obviously, you just watched it just before we've hit record. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Final episode's done with. Yeah. Give what me I that think feeling. Overall. Yeah, the story. Brain of Morbius. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was a it was a well told, fun story. Um, that can be quite shocking sometimes. Yeah. Um, I was actually I had a little jump twice throughout the story. I, I was I was quite entertained by it. Brilliant. And not in the sense that I thought I would like, oh that's quaint. Oh that's cute how they thought that would work. Oh bits like that in there. It's just oh yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I thought the set wobble a few times. But that's yeah, that's to be expected. It, just, it did work. Yeah. And I was quite impressed. And sometimes I was like, How how did he do that? He didn't film it on that planet, did they? <laughs> I was I was impressed. Um, nothing went out of its way to drill information into you. It, it yeah. assumed that you were competent already, and nothing took too much time either. There were no info dumps, really. No, in like a couple. A yeah, couple. but not. Yeah, this, I suppose. Uh, with those uh, sisters of. Um, What's the Kerr? Kerr? Khan, the, the Sisterhood of Khan. Khan. Who come back in the new, They're in the new yeah. series as well, aren't they? In New Doctor Who. Oh, no way. I don't know if you've seen them yet. Wow. I can't think where they first appear, but the Sisterhood of Khan come back. Well, I thought so, because I've definitely heard of them before. Yeah. I don't know where, though, but it must be there. Mm. Um, I, I, I did enjoy it. There's some, like, it's a hard thing to judge because I don't know. I think you, yeah, you've got to think how of these. Much you can get away with it because if it's old, it's, exactly, it's, it's age. You've got to take it with a pinch of salt because you've got to think of the time it was made and the budget that it was on. Yeah, it, you've got to take the story for what it is rather than sometimes sort of thinking about how they've. Uh, I don't know what the word is, how to word it, but do you know what I mean? Like you've got to. Yeah. T- think of the story rather than that's a wobbly set. And I suppose you, yeah. could, you should say that about the new series as well, but Phil, mm. it has come along a long way since yeah. back then. You know, it's a different it's a whole different they think world. think about the story instead of how they're telling it through. Yeah. Like the set the props and things of like that. Um, yeah. But some of the props are brilliant. Like, I love the brain. The, the brain in, the, in his fish tank. It's great. 
Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, and some of the sets were convincing. Like, I never thought, like, oh, that's it's in a warehouse that somewhere. See, I think the sets are great. Nothing takes you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing takes you out of it. Um, it's it's one of those things that classic Doctor Who. This might sound stupid. Would look so much better if the sets looked a bit wet. Do you know what I mean? Everything. It's a classic or new classic new Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. The sets yeah. always look very dry, and I don't know yeah. how else to explain it. And it's probably the fault. Well, not the fault, but it's the camera emphasizing that emphasizing the set it'd help if somebody just went round and just squirted a bit of water on everything just to make the colours look a bit more vivid well, I'm assuming it's because the um, the actual materials they used like yeah, to yeah. build a quick set yeah, you yeah, need yeah. malleable disposable yeah just materials a bit of plywood to paint over them yeah yeah because um, I thought that like a lot of the sets even though they look different it has the same feeling yeah, every yeah. time a load of plywood Mm. And a load of paint. Um, <laughs> so how fast would they like film? Uh, it, within like a week. Then, I think, how, how, I'm pretty sure. Would a story be made? A, I'm pretty sure a story was done in a week. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure they sort of, uh, an episode a week, they'd rehearse, 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 and then film on a Friday. Everything. Yeah, the one story was done in a day. All four episodes. No, what? Just uh, one episode of the story was done in a day. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the way okay. it, it was. Sort of not in not in one go either, as if it was like a play, yeah. which tended to be the old Hartnell era. Some of those are like that, where it is we hit record now and you mm. go for it. But it's got to be out of ten too. Yeah, yeah. By this point, yeah, got to be out by the. And they did have to be out by that by a time because the sprinklers got turned on at a certain time. If you were it's still there, honest to god, honest to god, I swear down. That's a me. Yeah, but um, I would have thought the new series had that plot problem. Like, like Matt Smith, the sprinklers are going to come on any second. Come on, you Matt. need to rush this scene. Come on. Wait, we forgot to film the other one. We got ten minutes. Right, do it quick. Yeah, stop do it quick. fiddling it with that sonic screwdriver. <laughs> I'm just touching it. <laughs> stop fiddling with it because it'll drop off, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so come on then, Brainer Morbius. What did you think of Professor Solon? Solon, his performance was good, wasn't it? Philip Maddock. I lo- Yeah, I love those villainous villains that don't mumble. Um, I, f- I feel like the first series and new ones did that a lot with the Slitheen. And I'd I love that. Philip Maddock. Philip Maddock, mm-hmm. I would say, is one of the best actors to be in Doctor Who. Is he only in that one episode? No, he's in the Crotons. Oh, episode, story. He, no, he's in, yeah, he's in the Crotons. He's in the War Games, the Brain of Morbius, the Power of Kroll. And the talons of Wang Chiang. And you've got. Oh that no, sorry, no, he's not in the talons of Wang Chiang. Sorry, that's the vo- the bloke who does the voice of Morbius. Solon is in the Crotons War Games, Brain of Morbius, Power of Crawl, and he's in the Dalek Invasion of Earth, the film. Right. That's and with the one with the steel book, isn't it? It is, yeah. And yeah. Philip Maddock is fantastic. 
Mm. He is really, really good. <laughs> He's great mm. in everything as well. I don't think I've ever seen him. I've seen him in other stuff as well, other than Doctor Who. He's in Dad's Army and other bits. He's great in everything he's in. And he's Welsh. So. I remember. Uh, okay. Yeah. My, one of my favourite scenes was, I think it would have been in the first episode, where the Doctor's tied up, going to get burned alive. And um, he comes in and tries to save the Doctor. And he won't outright say that he needs his head at first. He's I like, like I just that. need him. Yeah, I just right, no, yeah. can you just I have, I have Condor, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> I just need his head. I just need his head, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. There's a funny a funny thing, apparently, this was on the uh TARDIS wiki, I think. When they were filming that, when they set fire to Tom Baker, he nearly caught fire or he caught fire and they had to oh, put it out. Real fire, it is real been. flame, yeah. I didn't know if they would have like juxtaposed the frames so it looked like the fire was around him. So that was one of the things I was impressed with. Yeah, it says on here, according to Cynthia Grenville, who played Marin, Tom Baker nearly got set on fire during the stunt, which required him to be, yeah, which required him to be set alight. The BBC effects department heavily fireproofed everything, but the flames shot up massive columns instead of creeping around the circle. Oh my God. <laughs> So yeah, and you would never know because the doctor almost getting burned alive is just nonchalantly like, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you just listen to me, please? Yeah, it's great. But yeah, Philip Maddock, I've got to say, is amazing. What a great character as well. <laughs> I love how he gets knocked out as well. First time, just gets hugged, just hugged really hard. <laughs> I look like that's the campy stuff, like that. I just love. I love that on all shows. Um, and he dies very cool as well. I love his expressions, and then you can see where the light just goes out in his eyes. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and just lumps on the Morbius. It's great. Oh, yeah, he's, gr he's great. He's constantly I... coughing. <laughs> He'd smell the poison in the air, surely. <laughs> but <he> <laughs> I finally <laughs> done it. <laughs> yeah, you probably thought, bloody hell, I can't see anything on this brain. There's so much fog in here. <coughs> Just need to syringe. <coughs> it's mad. It's brilliant. Oh, it's and great. his insults are fantastic. There's loads of them. Have you seen all? Have you looked, did you hear all of the insults? Yeah, that I he says wrote, to... wrote down one. I, uh, to it was Sarah Jane, wasn't it? The companion. Yeah, Sarah Jane. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he meant by it, but when he says, uh, I think Morbius is explaining, like, put me in anything, put my brain in anything, put me in um, the woman. And he just says the female brain is too small. Like, wow, okay. I, well, I like what <laughs> <laughs> he says things to Condo. Uh, I've, I've written down two of them that are like, I asked you, you stupid ox, where have you been? It's. <laughs> He says chicken brains. What does he say? Chicken brain something. And silence, you chattering ape. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Mm. He's really, really good. Well, well, now I've mentioned him, what did you think of Kondo? Played by Colin Fay. It's not Condor, is it? It's Kondo, isn't it? Is yeah, it? Yeah, Kondo. It's Condor. Is it? I thought I'm it was sure Kondo. it is. I don't think um... it's Condor. I don't think it's Condor at all. 
It's condo. Yeah, I thought it was. Why are you doing this? I had you going, didn't I? Yeah, you had me um, going. I've misspelled. I put an R after one of my notes. Oh. It's condo. Condo. Um. Oh, then it, well, the first thing that comes to mind is his death. Oh, that's one of the things that made me jump. Oh yeah, big bang, and then blood comes out. Hey. Yeah, no, that yeah, that's a big shot though, because in Classic Dot Who, you don't really see blood. It's a thing you don't. People get shot with you no. Don't see it now, either. No, yeah, and a massive. Boof of blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his heart came yeah. out. Like, oh my god! <laughs> but I love how they kept it. Oh, he's great. There's a scene. Oh, it's brilliant as well. Where Solemn's downstairs. In the lab. And I can't think if he's operating on Morbius or he's talking to him. Mm-hmm. And Kondo is screaming down the stairs, Master! Master! And then it cuts to the Doctor and Sarah just sat at the table staring. And he's in the other corner of the room just shouting down the stairs, Master! Dead loud! Oh, brilliant. I burst out laughing at that. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, it... it... I do like him. Oh, he's an opera singer like, as well, Colin more... Fay. Not Kondo. <laughs> There's no business like so. Um, yeah, it's, I don't think he was an actor. I think that's, this might have been one of his only roles. I have not IMDB'd him, but he was well, an opera singer. He does a better job at playing his character than some of the people in God Complex, I can tell you that. Oh, wow. Scary. Mm. Yes. Um... <laughs> Yeah, he mumbles a lot to the Doctor, doesn't he? Tom Baker? Yeah. Yeah, he's um, he's brilliant. Most of yeah, his run I was is brilliant. Convinced. Yeah, I was straight away convinced he's the Doctor. And he's very... Nah, he was good at it as well. Yeah, he's very alien, but in a different way to, like, Matt Smith plays alien and David Tennant plays alien. You know, how the new Who people play it. He's He's quite... Not not quite human, but it's it's a different way of doing it, isn't it? Whereas Tom Baker has got his own thing. He's very much hmm. he knows what he's. What is it? It's just he's very. I think he's quite vague with things he says, and he sort of snaps instantly hmm. to sort of moments of being really. He like funny. calculates the scenario. Yeah, he? he's very distant from everyone. Until it either matters, yeah, and then he's or he's had bang. a breakthrough. He's straight in. Yeah, I found that with um, when he discovers why the flame is going out. Yeah. Um, go for the what is it? The elixir. Yeah, the elixir of life. Yeah. Um. So. And it's like, oh yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I at that. It's soot. He's like all in his, in his head, like frowning, like what is the problem? What is the problem? Sure, it's it's okay. And he's ignoring everyone in the room. Yeah, like they don't exist. I was like, oh, it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, how all, even though the sets and all the monsters, it's all fantastical, but it's rooted in that science-y, yeah. like, simplicity. It's um, just like, you, you just see, like, Bunsen burners as well yeah. in his lab. I um, thought the lab was great. Lab. Yeah. I do like the lab. So Everything you... was on hand instantly to make that poison, which is great. Yeah, and they they actually cyanide. made they, well, they obviously didn't make cyanide, but the little experiment where it bubbles over, 
was I it must have been something. Yeah, they did do it. It wasn't sort of just a bit of you know dry ice on top of the thing, and they cut mm-hmm. to it. They did do put whatever. I imagine that would have been cheaper than like trying to. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't know why. The bowl and stuff. Yeah, you've got a kid in school. Can you get him to bring us home some concentrated sulfuric acid? We need fifty mil of that. And what else do we need? Like, what a faff to get all of a load of little chemicals. Just some science kit, isn't it, you get from Argos? Yeah, the Woolworths, my first science kit. Ah, uh, <laughs> great, though. So what did you think um, of the story, though? You know? Um, I thought it was told very well, and I knew what was happening. Yeah. Um. So first episode, he they land. Yeah. And... Uh, from what I gathered, it was like the Time Lords sent him to do something. Like, he thought he was getting annoyed because he, like, got an errand to do yes. that the Time Lords wanted him to do. The episode before... He was off in a strop. Yeah, the episode before... It does follow in... Uh, I think last episode we recorded, I said how old who... There aren't as many arcs. But the Tom Baker era does have a, a few of them. But they're very loose. You know, it's that the Time Lords are interfering a little bit with what he's doing and making him sort of do things. But it doesn't have a massive effect on the story. It's not... You know, if you missed last episode, which you obviously did because you didn't know what the episode before was, it it didn't make that much of a difference to you other than the beginning being sort of... It made you think of your own explanation for it. You could take it on its own, couldn't you? It didn't sort of... Yeah. I don't know what they're talking about sort of thing. Yeah, they could have gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Done anything though. Yeah. That's I think that's the great thing about the TARDIS. Like I think it's why the new ones uh, do it well as well, where uh in between episodes you don't really know what they do. No, yeah. Sometimes it'll show you a scene of of a place they went to that wasn't an episode. I love yeah. that. Um but yeah, so they land and um you instantly knew what the characters' intentions were as soon as you saw them. Like, Morbius, oh, he's an evil scientist. Hmm. Oh, and that's his ego. Well, um, the story is obviously based on a very famous story, isn't it? Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, so, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Correct. Yeah. Which is a trope um, for all, well, most of the Philip Hinchcliffe era of Doctor Who, who was the, the Stephen Moffat of back then and the Chris Chibnall of back then and Russell T. Davis. And he had a sort of a way of writing stories that pay homage to horror classics. So, and that's a frequent theme he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's There's a few of them. That are all, you know, harking back. Well, not well, not once I think, oh, it's a rip off of Frankenstein. No, yeah, Never you know, it, do, it doesn't make you. It's not like oh, they're just doing Frankenstein, but with a brain, mm. you know, an alien. It works, and it works for all of them. I'd say all of the Hinchcliffe stories that do that, it works. Mm. Well, the sisters, what, what are they supposed to be like witches or something? So, well, the Sisterhood of Khan, they're supposed to be equal to the Time Lords in sort of mental power. Yeah. With these sisters, um, I, I quite liked the whole 
metaphor um, that they did for like immortality. Mm. And I thought it worked quite well. Like the Time Lords stay clear from anything to do with that, even though they regenerate. Mm. And look what they did. They made the time travel happen and stuff like that, which I've got a lot of questions, by the way. I don't think I'll delve into all of them. Okay. And ask you. Mm. Um, but I'll, I'll ask them later on. Okay. Um, so, I mean, story-wise... I think the first th- two episodes and the last one are the best. Um, I really like the reveals at the end, the especially cl- yeah. like the the way they written um, Sarah Jane's lose a sight and she stumbles into that computer, the lab. Yeah, and I was convinced that um, um what's his name? What's oh, what's his name? Solon or Condo? Solon. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Solon. Um was speaking to like an intercom or something with Morbius there. Yeah. Like Morbius isn't hiding or something. Then his brain's there, I was like, Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. It's a brilliant really got a shock. Yeah. It used to scare the crap out of me as a kid in this story. That's it. What the brain version or the monster version or both? The, the monster version. When you first saw mm. that cliffhanger of the monster sitting up in the bed, shit yeah. yourself. <laughs> amazing i was fully convinced when they left his hand like when condor condo um, sees that his hand condo i'm gonna say condor <laughs> when you see his hand Isn't on that bird of prey um, on, yeah the condor yeah. yeah when you see his hand on the monster yeah i really thought they just forgot to put the, it, uh, the gloves off. hand on your gloves off <laughs> Stuart. But, uh, i thought Stuart. that was funny and it looks, it looks like it wouldn't even fit Kondo at all. No, yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Kondo's because it's not a, his hand. Would, Kondo... would you believe it's actually a man in that suit? Yeah. Like that monkey which, in, can the, you believe that? in the God Complex. There's a man inside yeah. that. Which one looked more realistic, do you think? The monkey or Morbius? Oh, Morbius. Morbius is great. Isn't it, though? Isn't what? that scary? Yeah, that 40 years ago it was more convincing. Oh, well, this is one story. Uh, so, yeah. You know. What do you mean? Well, it, this might be convincing, but when I show you something else, you might think, well, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Aren't the new series yeah. getting it so right? <laughs> well, you say that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> what did you think of Sarah Jane Smith? <clears throat> Sarah Jane Smith. Uh, I'm not really sure. She she worked well I, for the story. This is the classic and team, isn't it? Really, I think. Yeah. yeah. Tom and Sarah. Um, and it's, I, it's the only Sorry. character I know from the new because she's in the new ones. Yeah. Sarah Jane Adventures. It's yeah. Amazing. <laughs> um. But I felt like I knew her already, and I don't think I listened to much. Like I didn't pay attention to what her character building was in that episode or anything like that. I think, so I'm not really yeah. sure. The thing with her, she's instantly relatable and she's a great actress, yeah. so she instantly convinces yeah, yeah. you as well. You know, yes, it's acting of the time. It's a different style to how it is now, isn't it, of acting. Mm. But she's still brilliant. Just like Philip mm. Maddock and Tom Baker. Well, everybody in this story, I don't think there's anybody dud in the cast, is there? 
There's nobody that when they're no. on screen you think, oh, whoops. You know. Morbius' voice um, would frighten me, I reckon. Michael Spice. He's in Talons oh, of Wang Chai. So he's in another story. But yeah, it's a great it's a great voice. That's all. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's great. I don't, I, I, would, I don't really know what to say about Sarah Jane now. What would you? What would you like? What do you think? I love Sarah Jane, but I do prefer Leela, who's a character <gasps> who's like the next companion on. And I can't think of anything bad to say about Sarah Jane. No, I can't. But uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know what it, I just prefer another character. I think that's all it is. Mm. Like there's a, there's loads of companions that are like that that I don't dislike them. I just prefer somebody else. Because mm. Tom and Elizabeth Sladen obviously work incredibly well together. They riff off each other all the way through all of their stories. They're just a great team, and they bounce off each other all the time. I just prefer Leela. I think that I think I like, yeah. I think it may be that it's just her character, dare I say, isn't interesting. There's not a lot of backstory to her character. She's just no. a sort of she's just a human picked up, but you know, she's just a normal person, whereas Leela, who you'll find out, she's an alien and she's very uh, she's academically challenged, but she's not. She's intelligent, but she's not mm. academic. So okay. the whole thing of her character is that the doctor's sort of taking her under his wing. Whereas with Sarah Jane, it's sort of let's go and explore. And I think the yeah. Leela thing. I got appeals... the same vibes with uh, Martha in the new one. Yeah, like she's good. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm I would say Sarah Jane's better. <laughs> Martha, I'm not comparing who, who's better, but it's just similarities. Or like Martha, really is for that whole series, just there. Yeah, yeah. But not in a bad way. Like she develops story, she makes, she impacts the Doctor, and stuff happens to her, but Martha doesn't develop. No, she's the same person that she was as soon as she got picked up, as she was in the end. She just managed to develop a love for him for some reason. Instantly, like within yeah, instant. <laughs> I could, yeah, see, I don't know um, what to say about Martha really because I I haven't got a lot of memory of her. But yeah, she is good. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. But I, I I guess it's the same with Sarah Jane. Yeah, it's 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 horses for courses. I think, isn't it? It's just who you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I prefer Leela with Tom. But then again, I think I prefer Sarah Jane. When she's with Harry Sullivan. Oh, is she with two doctors then? No, no. At the start of Tom Baker's run, he's got two companions. He's got Harry and Sarah. And that three team, they're brilliant together. And all of the characters are great. And only then, I think I'd. um, He left. He He just left. He left the show. uh, Yeah, yeah. And he he died really young as well. Um, I can't remember. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, which is sad because he's. He's a great actor, and he's a great character. But that is, I think, that's the time I prefer Sarah Jane over Leela. Mm. But yeah. So anyway, Brain of Morbius. Um, sacred, 
Sacred fire. Sacred, yeah. Sacred flame. <laughs> oh, that's the one. One of the things I was really getting tired of. Constant whispers. Yeah, oh, I yeah. love. I get it. Uh, do you know when they're doing all of their hand movements for the sort of sacred flame thing? I'm yeah. sure I've read it somewhere, but I can't seem to find it. That there's only one of them that knew what the movements were, and all the no others way. are just sort of looking and copying as they're doing it, which is why they're all slightly behind each other. They're not all going one, two, three, four, you know, like doing it in time. One of them does yeah. it, and then the next they sort of follow on. And I've, I'm sure I've read it somewhere, but I just can't think where that it was sort of the one person knew what they were doing and everybody else was just copying. But why? Why don't I, they just let I, everyone know? I don't know. I suppose it's just a time thing, isn't it, right? Everybody get in. Follower. Action. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sacred flame. Sacred f- f- fire. Fire. Even, you know, that might be wrong, and I've just made it up in a dream, but even if it is, it works. It works really well that they're yeah. all slightly behind each other because it makes it sort of a bit airy-fairy. Like flames. Yeah, like flames. Flames aren't a unitin, are they? <laughs> they're not, are they? Um, okay. One of my favourite uh, Morbius quotes, by the way, because you asked oh, go on. about Morbius. Uh, a condi- uh, he's he says he's in a condition where he envies a vegetable. I thought it was great. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. There's one. so many quotes in this that are brilliant. Yeah. So, but yeah, so the, the story was written by Robert Bland, uh, Robin, oh, bloody hell, Robin Bland, and Robin Bland. That's not a good scriptwriter name, is it? It's not. It's not a real name. It's a pseudonym. That's a weird pseudonym to choose. It's Terence Dix and Robert Holmes, who at the time already worked on Doctor Who, and the the rule of the BBC was at the time that you couldn't have more than one role within the programme. So if you were a script editor, you couldn't write the story. If you were the director, you couldn't write the story. You had to just have that one role. So the way they got round it is to just use a pseudonym. So Robin Bland, oh, wow. Robin Bland is Terence Dix and Robert Holmes writing together, and I'm pretty sure I've seen it written somewhere that Terence Dix said we're going to have to use a pseudonym. What should we use? Just pick something bland. Hmm. So Robin Bland, which, um, uh, but yeah, so I can see how that worked. Yeah, yeah. So I think Robert Holmes wrote the story mostly, and then Terence Dix rewrote the majority of it. Because a thing online said, during the serial's writing, Dix was disappointed at Holmes' modifications to his original script. Oh, so Terence Dix wrote it first, in which um, Morbius, Morbius's assistant was a robot rather than being Kondo. So the original idea was... A robot. Yeah, so ra- the original idea was... Yeah. I'm glad that got changed. Yeah. It wouldn't really make much sense of why the robot would sacrifice himself. Well, the the story would have been different. That the Kondo character would have been a robot. Yeah. So, when it was rewritten to Kondo, the script was obviously altered a lot so that he had a speak not a speaking role, more a part to play. You know. Mm. Um, and then I think we should address the timeless child in the room. 
which yeah <laughs> so you know the mental battle that the doctor and morbius have oh yeah 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 that 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 was something wasn't it do you know where i'm going with this you've watched that the timeless shit. you've no you've watched the timeless okay. child with me haven't you which is the Jodie episode with the Master and the Cybermen in the Time Lord outfits. You know, the with the Cyberman that's... You can see his face. The Jodie oh, Whittaker God. episode. Oh, yeah, what yeah. a forgettable episode. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you know the bit... Oh, wow. Do you I remember, had to drudge that out. Do you remember the bit where I said... Here it comes, and there's a, a clip of Jodie sort of clenching her head, and all of the past Doctor's faces get shown. Yes. And then it, there's a little clip, a little bit, where you can see the Morbius Doctors, which when that mind-bending contest is going on, there's the green faces during that mind-bending. Jodie Whittaker's face is in there. No, uh, Jodie's face is not in there. Those bits from Morbius are in the Jodie playback of the Doctor's lives, supposedly to mean that William Hartnell was not the first Doctor. There were Doctors before. Mm. And they're using... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is this, that, yeah. This has always been a thing with this story, the Brain of Morbius, that at this point, we're... Well, according to what I've read, we are meant to assume that the faces we see our past lives of the Doctor. Yeah, because their outfits do look like, like some of them are Victorian. Yeah. So I, I, are we on the twenty third Doctor or something? Well, I prefer to not think of it that way, because in the early year of the sh years of the show, it was said that Hartnell's Doctor was the first Doctor. Hmm. It doesn't bother me that canon has changed, but for my personal canon. I prefer to think that Hartnell is the first Doctor and the faces we see are Morbius in his past incarnations because he's a Time Lord as well. Because we do see all of the other actors that oh, have played... That makes, yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? We do see all the other actors that have played the Doctor. So we see Pertwee and we see Troughton and we see Hartnell and Tom. And then we see other faces that are actually the production crew they're the production unit manager, the script editor, production assistant, director, producer, production assistant. Their faces. Yes, their faces in like no way. thing. So I prefer those in my head to be Morbius's past lives. Yeah. And keep them separate. But apparently it was intended for you oh, to really? Yeah, it's it's supposed to be that it is the doctor's past lives. And was their face in the Jodie Whittaker episode as well? Yes, all of those faces are in oh, the Jodie. Really? Yeah, Jodie playback. Which is sort well, of there's nothing else you can assume then, is there? No, so you know, knew who for the most part, unless all that we've been told in the Timeless Children is a lie, which wouldn't surprise me because it is the Master. So who knows that in two series time we're not going to get a big reveal of well I lied, haha. <laughs> you know, but at the minute we are to assume that all of the faces we see in that playback in The Timeless Child are past incarnations of the Doctor. Well, I'm just stunned that I couldn't remember that episode. It was like a Christmas special, wasn't it? 
Um, it's the end of a series. It was the season finale, yeah. <sighs> to be fair, I was barely listening. I hadn't seen the other Jodie Whittaker ones, so... <laughs> Yeah, sorry about sorry, that. Sorry, I rambled a I, little bit there. I did find that really interesting. I did ramble. I do apologise. Um, no, I was sucked in. I, I, I was intrigued. I'm sure most that people was something were... I didn't, I, I didn't realise was... Like, I just assumed that it was past doctors, but... Yeah. Well, I didn't realise you had a problem with that. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I just have my own opinion that I like to think right. is truth. Even though it isn't. Um, so whilst we're on the mind bending contest, obviously this is where the story ends. What did you think of the ending? Yeah, I didn't like it. So the, it was so panto. Yeah. So the like it the mind bending uh, contest, the brain overloads, Morbius goes a bit mad, falls off a cliff. What was the point in having the body? Why did he want a body if he's just gonna fight with his mind? Well, no, it's not that. Is it? It's just sort of. It's the doctor trying to convince Morbius that he's not as strong as he used to be because you're just a head in a jar. Your brain's gone soft. That's what I think he says, isn't he? Your brain's right. gone soft. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the ending doesn't bother me. I think it works it fine. Me. Lame. I didn't expect anything else. Yeah. No. It was just it was a slightly bit lame. Yeah. I th- um, I don't know what I would rather want. I don't know if I'd want a full-on battle. It's hard to think where you'd like, go with it, isn't it? Come on, man. Yeah, it is. It's hard to think where you could go. Your skull. <laughs> I don't know. It was just that was a bit too much. That was. Yeah. Me. But what did you? Um, what do you think? Too. Sorry, go on. It didn't affect the whole story though at all. It no. Didn't, no. It didn't make anything worse. I, it was just it was what it was. Yeah, it? it's one of the. What did you yeah, think of the direction? Direction. Yeah. Like as a like directorial. Yes. Uh, not like direction of what the where the episode's going. No, like, no, no. As in like the the directorial element of the story. Right. Um. That's a question I'd have to. Really watch again. It is quite. It's a story. Yeah, it's a bit point and shoot. I will say. Yeah, but a lot of the sure. stories are like, then because. Was, was, yeah. The stories back then, obviously, the cameras are enormous. You know, mm. not as big as like in the Hartnell era, but they're still you know hefty things. But there's still some nice shots. I wrote down. Uh, where did I see it? Uh, there's some nice shots uh, shooting through bits of the set to other bits. Like in the lab, they shoot through like pillars where you can yep. see Solemn behind, yeah. and there's there's a few bits like that that sort of shot through flame and shot through other things. Yeah, which is nice. I like that because it it gives the set a bit of depth. Because otherwise, you're always sort of on the end of the set, following it round. Whereas if you shoot from like behind the edge of the set, it's sort of the, well, that's this little world that everything's behind, and you, it, I think it works really nicely. Mm. It does. I remember that. I yeah. remember the when Sarah Jane first looks over the horizon when they land. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem to be like a break in the backdrop. I thought it was really impressive. But yeah, it's usually you clearly see where the backdrop is. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. the prop is. But it's 
often a thing they used, and it's, it, you can achieve great things with it, which is like lighting. I, I will. As soon yeah. as you make things dark, it's you can achieve great things. It hides the detail. Make it dark, people. Yeah, make it dark. Come on. Can we move on to music? Uh, I haven't. I can't remember anything. I'll be honest. Well, the music is Dudley Simpson, and Dudley, Deadly Dudley, much like Murray Gold in the new series, has done the music for a huge chunk of Doctor Who, from the Troughton era, or way back, I think he did some Hartnell ones as well, but all the way up to the sort of end of Tom Baker's run. So there's hundreds of stories there, episodes I should say, that he's done the music for. And people do, I know Jim from, uh, Jim and Martin from the Crinoid podcast, shout out to the Crinoid podcast, um, have a problem sometimes with Dudley in his early era for using synths and sort of early synths that are very monophonic and have a quirky sound, but I love that. I love the synthy stuff that he does. But in this story, he's got his sort of yeah. little orchestra and some synthy stuff, I think, from what I remember. Um, but I think he does a great job. I think he pretty much always yeah. does a great job. I am a, I am a big fan of Dudley Simpson, and he gets a lot of hate because he's uh, he's not the conventional... He's not the way that you'd write music now because he doesn't do the sort of, here's the time to cry, here's the time to feel mm. this. It's sort of, it's atmosphere rather than emotion. Yeah. I said I couldn't remember. That's a lie. There was one piece that I really liked, which is when the old sister dies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end. You see her um, de-age in the flame. Mm. And there's just some little synths there. And I thought that encapsulated like the whole music of the episode where it's like what you said, it's atmospheric, but it doesn't try to lead the audience anywhere. Well, do you know what I'll, I'll it say? It is eerie. Yeah. It's very eerie. That's what I got from it, and it leaves more questions. Like the, the from I haven't seen the episodes, obviously, but seeing it for the first time, that music makes me think. Like, wait, where did she go? What happened? Rather than oh no, she died. Yeah, it's more like this is really strange. It's not scary. It's just different. Eerie. Yeah, mm. it's one of those like a lot of people say, and I know I'm going to say it again. Shout out to the Cronoid podcast. They say sometimes that when there's um, a story and Dudley's on the music, they can't you can't really remember the music. I don't see that as a bad thing. I think if you can remember the music, it's doing too much. No. Whereas, like, if you can't remember the music, mm -hmm. I'd say it's done its job because it's moved the story along. You know. If all you can, if you can remember, like with Murray Gold, the music stands out so much because it's so in your face and it's it's telling the story for you, rather than Dudley sort of just sort of pushing the story. I wouldn't say music in general should be like almost unheard. Like yeah. you, you can't really remember um, what the music was, and oh, it was that piece, and. I, I think it should only guide the yeah. way a story goes, yeah, and not and would not interfere with how an audience should respond, or yeah. interfere with actually changing the whole scene. 
yeah, yeah. Should yeah. only open the scene to more possibilities. They yeah. should only what is happening. Don't overpower it. I think it. that episode did. Yeah, I, I do think that episode did. Yeah. The brain of Morpheus. It was great. Yeah. Well, there we go. So there we are. Do you want to, should we round this off then? Because we have waffled a little bit for a, a while. Yeah, waffled a bit. Your, Just a little bit. Your last thoughts on the brain of Morbius then? Um, I'm excited it, to watch more old Doctor Who. I'm glad because that's I, where it even though I didn't think this would go well, not the podcast in general, your viewing of the brain of Morbius, I think because it has got it, it, it's what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? If it hadn't have gone well, I think it would have tainted your view of yeah the classics. I think it would have. I, I was I didn't want me to think that any of the old episodes like straight away like I didn't want to react to it badly yeah and I would anyway because I want to be honest yeah that that's what uh, that's yeah I I would rather you have to be honest I think really because there's no point in doing it. There's no comparison then. If you're just gonna say, "Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good," I'd yeah. rather you say, "No, look, that is crap. Why would you do that?" Rather than sort of. But then again, you got to, like with the God Complex, you got to balance, take the rough with the smooth, and you've got to find good things to say. You can't just bash it. It's got to have something good about it because people obviously like it. Whereas, like the Brain of Morbius has got nothing wrong with it at all because it's the best story in the world. Apart That's very where, sincere and genuine, by the way. I just want to say one more thing about it. Whether, Go on. Uh, Kondo. Um, when he gets shot. <laughs> um, so, like, you hear two shots and his chest explodes. Yeah. And Solom, like, shoots him more. Like, you you hear, I think I think you hear, like, two shots. But Kondo reacts to five, so he's just jitting around everywhere. It's amazing. It's, I love that. Oh, the story's great. So I tell you what, let's leave it there on a good point. Give us a leave it there. Give us your rating. I went first last time. You go first this time. Bear in mind, you gave the God Complex a two out of ten. Five is the average. Mm. I gave the God, God Complex so five. Hard. It is so hard. Because I have not seen any others, so what am I rating it to? I'm guessing just how I enjoyed it out of ten. My just enjoyment yeah, of that initial enjoyment. 10. What do you reckon? Uh, I'd give it a seven. A seven. A seven. What? I don't know how much of that was just surprise that it wasn't. I didn't expect it to be awful, but I expect it to be a little bit of a snooze fest. Yeah, snooze fest. God, Dad. Um, well, I, I didn't want to aid that mindset of oh, he's younger, so all he the Doctor like Who he's never seen. Yeah, yeah. So he won't like it because it's different and old, and it didn't age well. Well, I'd say it, it's aged very well. Yeah, I would say that. What you do you can't think? go wrong with practical effects. Do you know? I've always said this. Even a new who. You know exactly why it's practical. CGI dates much worse than practical effects. You look back at the oh. like the Christopher Eccleston era and some of the David Tennant era, some of that CGI looks awful. You know, it? and it's not their fault it's, because it's it's a new thing and why not use it? It's there. It's cheaper. Just use it. But it does instantly date the program 
when you look yeah. five years ahead. Like you look at what we just can't associate with that yeah. either. It's like, nothing about that is natural or human at all. No, like as an audience, you can't, you just can't engage with that. It's clearly not real. And that's Where yeah. if you if it's practical, at least it's real. It's solid. It's in real life. And it's not a slight on G on on GTA on CGI. It's because you look at like the Jodie era now looks fantastic. I've, you know, I've got to hold my hand up and say visually stunning. I know we use that a lot as a sort of <laughs> our go-to thing if we can't think of anything else good to say. But it is, isn't it? It looks amazing. Yeah. You know, but what is that going like to look I love like? The title as well. Oh yeah, brilliant. Thanks, great. What is that going to be like in five or six years' time? It's going to look dated yeah. because CGI is going to, you know, look at what they're doing now. We watched that Marvel film yesterday, didn't we? The um, what was it with Chris Guardians Pratt? Of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy two, wasn't it? Yeah. And the CGI so in I that isn't that amazing? Like the CGI, yeah. like look at what can be done now. I'm talking as if I'm like Father Time, twenty five. That was from twenty sixteen. Oh, twenty six. Sorry, twenty seventeen. Yeah, but like it's so. It's mind blowing, isn't it? Like how they can do that. Fair. It's brilliant. Yeah. But then it's like Not once I think, oh, that's green screen. No, yeah, it's just great. It's insane. The de aging software they have is incredible. Oh, I, it, I could gawk at those films like Doctor Strange as well so much because they just look visually stunning. Visually stunning. But there's that, like, I can relate this with uh, the Mandalorian. Now I've never seen it. I am interested in their special effects. Hmm. And you know uh, Baby Yoda? Sort of. Wait, have you, you've seen, like, you must have seen him in, like, a shot or a scene or something. The little Yoda thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is, um, he's a puppet, right, that they used. Yeah. But in some scenes where he's, like, walking around and stuff like that, he's still a puppet and he's animated like a puppet, but he's completely CGI. Right. So they they've they decided rather than make Baby Yoda a whole like uh, the creature made completely in a computer. Yeah. Um, they'd animate onto a puppet. No, they made the puppet. Yeah. And in other scenes where they couldn't use a puppet, or it looked iffy, they used um, CGI, but they did it in a way that it still looks like a puppet. Because the puppet is more real to an audience yeah, than just the... making a CGI. Oh, right. Like, so they're, they're animating in a way to make it look physical. Yeah. Right. And such a clever way of doing it. It's mind-blowing. I wouldn't even because have to start. Have you ever seen such in sweep and thought, there's a man's hand in that? Never. 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 Isn't it impressive? So anyway, but yeah, bring I Morbius. You're going to give it a seven. What's your own I'm going to give it? Eight. I'm gonna go. What I'm gonna raise you. I'm gonna give it a nine, nine. out of ten. Wow. Yeah. Only because. Wow. I think. I just think it's fantastic. Mm. Just it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Have they done a steel book of that? Um, probably not. I don't think so. Uh, Blu-ray. Yes. I don't know if season thirteen has come out in the box set yet could be wrong what i'll do is i'll have a quick google uh everybody can join me on this season 13 doctor who blu-ray don't think it has uh no 
Don't think so. You know, I'd be I'd be eager to buy it because I'd like to see it again. The whole series is great, and the series before, series after it, series before that. You know, <laughs> they're all great. So that concludes. That concludes our choices left this week. Who can convince you? Did I convince you that Matt Smith is a good doctor? No. <laughs> Did I convince you that the God Complex is a masterpiece? No. In episodic fashion. No. Okay. Did I convince uh, you, you? Yes, you did. Yes, yes, yes to everything. Uh, yes, yes, yes to everything. I, I'm sold. I, I'm excited. I'm eager to watch more old Doctor Who. Even better. Um, yeah, you convinced me. Well, with that, rather than giving you a tough time, I have chosen mm. our next episode to have a look through. Oh. Would you like me to tell you it now, or...? Yes. Okay. The episode I have chosen, I'm not going to give you a tough time, so I'm going to choose, I've chosen one wisely that is regarded as fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. And the episode I have chosen, I'm going to show you the cover now, is The Spearhead from Space. I've, oh, with the Autons. With the Autons. Yeah. I remembered that you now said you, you liked that. the Autons and you didn't realize they were I a classic like monster. Them. No, and I've done so much. Like better in the old ones compared to the new ones. Mm. They look horror, horrifying. Horrifying. I was gonna say horrific. I'm just, I, I I'm like, just no, gonna. Let's go horrifying. I'm just gonna have this on on record of me saying this. Spearhead from space is a four part serial. Spearhead from space is a four part serial. There we go. That's gonna be a song. It is, probably. That's going to be a song. Um, so how um, many episodes of Spearhead from Space do you need to watch? Four serials. Uh, have you got an episode for me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I Now, this is not four serials. This is two serials. Okay. This takes place in series two of the new, in the new Doctor Who. Okay. And I thought while watching God Complex, this is quite comparable of how it probably should be done. Okay. Uh, it's called The Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Okay. Now Are you I, familiar with these? I have vague memories of this only because is there some sort of lift that they go down in, a yellow lift, and he's got a spacesuit on? I yes, seem yes, to yes. remember I had the action figure, or let's be no let's be honest, I have the toy of the, da- toy. the David Tennant, the toy, and the, the toy dollies. of the lift, the dolly of the lift as well. <laughs> so you had a little dolly attendant, and that must mean that you've seen this episode. It must mean that I've seen this episode, and I enjoyed it very much. Enough to get some dollies. Exactly. Enough to go out of my way and buy dollies. So. So, season two, episode eight is yeah. the Doctor and Rose land in a base on an impossible planet, but the TARDIS is missing. And the Satan Pit is as Rose battles the murderous Ood, the Doctor grapples with the beast. Brilliant. I'm excited. Would you like me to read you the Spearhead from Space one? It's a bit longer go for than it. a bit longer than yours. <laughs> 
Exiled to Earth in the late 20th century by his own people, the Time Lords, the newly regenerated Doctor arrives in Oxley Woods alongside a shower of mysterious meteorites. Investigating these unusual occurrences is the newly formed United Nations Intelligence Tax Task Force, UNIT for short. Led by Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart, units are soon called into action where people and meteorites start going missing. Most puzzling of all is the attempted kidnap of a strange hospital hospital patient, a man with two hearts who insists he recognises the brigadier. The new doctor soon joins forces with his old friend's unit and recently recruited Dr Liz Shaw, but time is running out. Irregular things are happening at a nearby plastics factory whilst faceless creatures lurk in the woods. The Nestines have arrived... They want to conquer the earth. I'm hooked. I want to watch that now. Can I also say this has been released on Blu-ray? Oh. And it looks unbelievable. Because the whole story is shot on film and has been upscaled to Blu-ray. And the story on Blu-ray looks incredible. And I, I think I'm going to have to try and open the Blu-ray. And I don't. It's a steelbook, though. Isn't it? I think it's been released on norm on a normal Blu-ray as well. Oh. Um, I don't think it's in Blu-ray on Britbox. I could be wrong. I haven't uh, looked. If it is, that's exciting. Yeah. Oh well, something I'm familiar with with the old ones. I'm looking forward to that one. Is there any questions you've got for the ones I've chosen? I don't think so. I'm interested to oh, have okay. a look. I'm interested, though, to have a listen to it. And seems as we are talking about our thoughts on stories in this segment, I think it is time for some listener feedback. Yes. Which is very exciting. This is our first piece of listener feedback. And I am unbelievably thankful and unbelievably excited that we even got feedback on our first podcast. Even more shocked that we've got people listening in America. Isn't that mind-blowing? It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Someone is actually listening. People are listening. Maybe not for long, but they're listening. No. <laughs> yeah. So, What is our feedback and who is it from? We have one piece of feedback this time, and it's from Twitter. It's Well, it's not from Twitter. It's off Twitter. And it's from Keith Say who his, uh, his handle is 50DW50. Um, and Keith has this to say. He says, I was a wee kid when Morbius was first shown, and even though every cliff- cliffhanger was essentially the same, I found them terrifying. During my recent rewatch, I found the god complex rather moving, even, th- even though the ventriloquist dummies remain super creepy. I had an aunt who had a room you had to pass through to go to the loo, in the room, seated in the chairs, were ventriloquist dummies, terrifying as a kid, and I wonder if she also had a secret minotaur. <laughs> I like that. that. That'd be interesting okay. to find out. Maybe we should go and in urban explore Keith's auntie's house, just to check that there's no uh, secrets. Well, thanks for the feedback, though, Keith. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. I'd um, like to know what else he thought about the God Complex. Yeah, so would I, yeah. 
Like, Sh- shall I send that back to him with red ink? <laughs> C minus. No, A star. Um, Thanks, Keith. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I think, I, yeah, if I watched that when I was smaller, the, the God Complex and those dummies and stuff, yeah, I think, because I used to find that scary. Yeah. I think I've never seen them scarier than in uh, Toy Story 4. <laughs> it was horrifying. <laughs> Awful. Um, but yeah, that's, well, that's why I picked the episode. Yeah. It's a sort of dummy. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, I, hope, I wonder where those dummies are now. I wonder. In his, auntie, in his auntie's house. Oh, that's what a terrifying thought. <laughs> <laughs> where could they be? Keith, could you send where us, if, you, if you've got any in your attic, if you hear a weird rustling sound, just go oh, and Christ. check it out. Because it could be that your whole life is on a prison ship and you just don't know it yet. But, wow. um yeah, who knows? As long as you've got faith in us, um, I'm sure. But isn't it cool? How like <laughs> I was going to cut you off there. Yeah, you were. That's isn't all it right. cool? How Doctor Who always has that essence of horror. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Because now I think about it, when I was a kid, yeah, there was. I remember, I was scared about the the, the lost boy. Um, oh, the empty, empty child? The empty child, Look at yeah. me knowing you who titles. Check no. me out. That's great. But, yeah, and one thing I will like to say, I love this, that Keith has sent this feedback in because he enjoyed the God Complex, and I'm really glad that somebody did. And that's not meant to be sarcastic. Yeah, yeah I'm glad someone did. Yeah, and, and that's not in a I sarcastic way. Really want to know why. Yeah. Not in the sense of why. Yeah, but like, why? <laughs> why? No, yeah. Like, but... I'm really intrigued. Yeah. Because I, it's, it wasn't awful. It uh, just didn't do anything for uh, me. And that just goes to prove our point that there are eras of who that you hold dear. Yeah. And stories that you enjoy and stories that people don't enjoy. And that's how it should be. Yeah. You can't yeah, enjoy everything. Sure. So there we go, Keith. I think we... my soft spot is always for... Uh... Period dramas, Doctor Who. <laughs> you yeah, do, I love yeah. that. You might like the historicals in the early years of. Uh, I, sa- them? I said early years and eras in one word. Then early years, early year. years, South Africa. Um, yeah, there's there's a few historicals in the old, the old old, first two Doctors mostly. There's a couple of others that crop up, but they tend mm. to be back then. So there we go. There's the end of the first segment. So thanks, Keith. Anybody else that wants to send us in any feedback for the two stories that we're going to do, I'll do our handles now, but they will be in the description below the podcast. On Twitter, we are at whocanconvince. You can email us at whocanconvinceyou at gmail.com. Facebook, Doctor Who, who can convince you. And as ever, we are still waiting for the YouTube link, but uh, I'm sure you can go to Podbean and other things and look for us on apple music and amazon and all sorts of things who knew it would be such a faff to get the podcast onto streaming yeah. services i thought apple's of... by far the most difficult apple... amazon is by far the easiest yeah. it's scary how easy it is. you just press a button and it's yeah. just, oh, there you go it's there instant go. as well i asked our i've got to say it quietly i asked our alexa the other day to play the podcast mm. in a 
bit of a vain moment of sort of look at me i'm on alexa and um blew my mind blew my tiny little bloody mind oh now you're hearing your voice out of her isn't that weird can i just point out as well i did not sit there and listen to the whole thing i listened to my theme tune and then i made it stop (laughs) as soon as i heard myself go hello and welcome to episode zero of Hello. <laughs> Hello, my name's Harry, and I've got a podcast. <laughs> so, there we go. There's the end of the first section. Let's move on. The year is unknown. Across the universe, galaxies are plagued with a new threat. Misty parallel worlds have opened, and the dark void draws closer to consuming time and space itself. In the recesses of the planet Eminem Seltab, two randomly chosen heroes are sucked through the rift and forced to fight in an effort to find the one who can save the universe. This is Battles in Time. So this is our first battle in time. I am very very excited i'm excited for this <laughs> this, is you, this is your segment and it is all <laughs> yours take the floor it's all mine so the crate is full it's bulging uh, the, the cards are stacking up high i don't know which one to choose there's so <laughs> many oh my goodness do i pick no i won't pick that one i'll pick this one this is your card harold okay the first one i want to be i'm excited Oh no! <laughs> oh god! What is it? Um. So it's I don't know if you've seen this episode, but it's Nina, um, from the Krillotine episode with Sarah Jane. We were just speaking about this. Um, <sighs> Nina is um. I'm gonna guess she's about eleven. <laughs> <laughs> A schoolgirl, um, and. I think she she's the first one to die in that episode, I think. Or, or get brainwashed. She gets... Uh, I remember the headmaster comes out to get her in a classroom. She walks to the head head office and she hears something going on inside, but she thinks, you know what? Nothing can harm a schoolgirl. Not in Doctor Who. We just hear her scream. So I'm get, what I'm getting from scream. this is throwaway character. No, because she's got a card. Oh, right, okay. She, yeah, she's got a balance in time card, so she must be important. Well, thanks. Well, I remember her. So thank- all right, all right. <laughs> Never go at me for not remembering a character who's in a story for two minutes. So, that's my card. Thanks very much. <laughs> my card. If it's Jackie no Tyler. Way. The chances of this... So it's actually from the same episode. It's the dinner lady. Oh, it's one of the dinner ladies. If you if you remember the dinner dinner ladies, they used to have barrels of that goo. That um, I I don't can't remember what they use it for. Oh, I think it's, it's like they put it in the food to brainwash the children. Yeah, it's coming back to me now, sort of. Um, I remember she was really arsy, the Rose, because Rose was the dinner lady in that episode as well. Oh yes, um, yeah. Mm. This yeah, 
I mean, w- I think it's for the first episode, this it's is pretty uneventful. <laughs> but we're gonna have to try and make this work, and I think it's brilliant that that anything could happen. Anything could create bulging. There's so many cards, and chances of these two popping up, incredible. So just remind us again, my card is... Nina. Nina. Your card is the Dinner Lady. What's well, actually got um, a subhead in. Oh, brilliant. Uh, oh, yeah, dis- dis- disguise, Quilton. Quilton. Oh, right, yeah. Say it. Oh, yes! Right, yeah, I know what you mean now. I know what they... Yeah, I remember the story. From School Reunion. School Reunion. Series 2, episode 3. Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. K9. She's back again. Can't shake her off in this episode. So, um, go on. I think it's time for Nina and the dinner lady to battle! Battle! I don't know what Nina's... Def- like, how would she defend herself? So Nina is... Then a lady's coming at her, and um, this is to the death. This is always these battles are to the death. In for so the lady's coming at her. There's no help either, right? Unless they have some kind of like accessory or trait so that they could use. Let's think about this wisely then. So Nina is a schoolgirl. Mm-hmm. What is she going to have upon her person as means of defense? Protractor. I'd have a, a pen. <laughs> a compass. A, a compass. compass would be good. She could have a compass. Wait, yeah. When I was when I was in school, I'd always have a compass because it's like the coolest like thing you could have. I'm just kind of stop you there. People. There is nothing cool about carrying a compass around in school. Yeah, but it's like the one instrument that you get in that set, that like Oxford set, that like you could actually like rip paper up with. And in the Oxford set is that the a, one with the tin? That. Yeah, and, and that and a ruler, you could put it on the end of the table and go... <laughs> I think they were the best tools you could get from that. But imagine if, if she had anything, she'd be carrying around a compass. Well, I've lost 95% of my memory from school anyway, so maybe I even did have a compass. Right. So... <laughs> so would you, agree that, would you agree that Nina would have a compass on her person? Let's say yes. Okay. So, okay. let's set the scene of where this battle's taking place. We're, we're, it has to be in school. Okay. has to be in school. It's got to be in the um, gym. The, in the gym? Yeah, just a big okay. empty hall. No defences, hardwood floor. Yeah. So Nina just wanders in there for PE. Then she turns around, oh, the door's locked. Oh, well, it's. I'll turn back around then, shall I? See if there's another way out. In a lady's there with her back to her. She turns one. She turns her head, and her eyes peer over her shoulder. Nina knows something's gonna go down. Dinner lady, right? Yeah. What I'm, I think, because she is my card. I think she'll have a bowl of piping hot chips. Piping hot They've chips. They've just come out with like the oh, oil. I love chips. Nina's scared. I, I just ask her for some chips. Throw them at me. Well, if if the dinner lady throws them at Nina, Nina would get third degree burns. Wow! The oil's still in the bowl. Oh, the oil is in the pan as well. It's not just chips. Well, it's it's stodgy school. Oh chips, right. So oh, even better. Some oil in there. Yeah. 
Um, who would make the first move? Definitely the dinner lady. Yeah, I'd agree there. She's going to be straight in there. Yeah. So she's coming at Nina with like this bowl of chips screaming her head off. Yep. What does Nina do? Get a compass out. <laughs> Instantly. She's straight for the compass. So, I'm, right, so the dinner lady's stepping back because she doesn't know what this compass is. Yeah. She's not from she's not from Earth, is she? Who? Nina? The dinner, the, oh, the dinner lady. No, the dinner lady. Oh, no, maybe not. No, don't she's they disguised. use the bodies? Do they? I don't know, actually, do they? I think they use the bodies. No, is that the Slitheen? Yeah, but I'm sure that they probably use the same idea, don't they? Yeah, they probably just recycle, recycle, recycle. That's Doctor Who, isn't it, really? <laughs> um, do we really think Nina would win in this fight? No. In what... In what scenario would Nina win? I think the only way she'd win is that if the dinner lady slipped on some oil. I think the only way the dinner lady's going to win is if the dinner lady... Uh, uh, the only way that Nina's going to win is if the dinner lady suddenly gets shot. <laughs> so Nina's got no chance then? No, nothing. An 11-year-old ga- a girl or a 25-stone dinner lady with a massive metal galvanised pan and... <sighs> full of scalding hot chips. I think we both know who is going to win. Nina hasn't got a chance. She's dead when she enters that room. What a shame. It's a shame, isn't it? I mean, we're all rooting for Nina, but let's face facts. She's an 11-year-old weedy little girl versus a massive (laughs) dinner lady. The thing is, this is your card. You've got to fight for this. I can't go. I've got to stand. I've got to go for my instincts. I haven't got faith. I'm not going to get a minotaur after me. I haven't got faith. So, I'm guessing the dinner lady comes up to her and just puts the chips on her head, and she dies from the burns. I don't even reckon it gets that far. I reckon Nina panics. And, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Nina panics, closes her eyes, and then the dinner lady just smashes her over the head with a pan. Eat that. <laughs> Right, and then that's the end of Nina, then. And that's, well, the thing is, Nina, yes, yeah, she's got a compass, but how diverse and knowledgeable is an 11-year-old going to be on cutthroat tactics with a protractor? Is she going to know, right, yeah. juggler, go for it? Or is she just going to, like, poke her shoulder? And they're going to be like, ow! Why, you little rat! And then... Yeah, I can see that. <sighs> So, I mean, it did die once before this. Like, she was unsuccessful the first time. Yeah. I struggle to see how she's going to win the second time. Well, exactly. Oh, what a shame. Oh, well. Yeah, I think she's gone. So, is it safe to say I've won this week? I think you have won. The dinner lady has right. out-trumped an 11-year-old girl. So, I think what should happen next week... So I'm going to leave the dead lady off to one side. Okay. And whoever the victor is next time should go head to head with the dinner lady. Oh, we're going to do. We're going to play that card, are we? Yeah. All right. So we'll pull out two cards next week. Whoever wins in that front fights the dinner lady, and the dinner lady might go on victorious. I do hope so. 
I hope so. I, I hope the dinner lady gets to Davros. I was just going to say, I beg, I beg for Davros next week. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. What I think I'm going to stick with the um, Exterminator set, which is all from the first like three seasons of Doctor Who. Okay. Um, just because we're both familiar with it, and as uh, as the podcast progresses, yeah. start to introduce more cards. Brilliant. I'm all for it. Brilliant. Um, I enjoyed. Right, I enjoyed our first battles in time. It was a true battles in time. Well, <gasps> that's it. That is the end of episode one of the Who Can Convince You podcast in its full, unique form. What a ju- <laughs> what what a journey it's been. We've come so far. We've come so far. From not me not watching anything to watching like one story of the old Who. From zero We've had to our hero. First we, yeah, first battle. In time. Yeah. It's been great. We've discussed the new series. We've discussed the old series. Discussed. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've battled. We've convinced. I've been convinced. Uh, yeah, I, uh, so have I. I hope to convince you on next week. Uh, yeah. Next week. I'm very hopeful. So if anybody I has got... If anybody's got any feedback for these, the next two episodes, which are the Spearhead from Space and uh, what's it called? Brilliant. <laughs> the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, the two-parter. Okay, so Spearhead from Space and the Impossible Planet and Satan's Pit two-parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, please send in your feedback. Uh, thanks again to Keith for sending in his feedback for this week. But uh, there we go. So that's the end of this one. Um, thank you for your time, Luke. Oh, thank you, Harold. It's been you're, great. You're very welcome. This is very enjoyable. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks very much, everybody. Bye bye now. You can send us your feedback and comments by contacting us on Twitter at Who Can Convince, email us at Who Can Convince You at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook at Doctor Who, Who Can Convince You Podcast. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment on your podcast platform to help people find us. <laughs>